Welcome to another episode of Bringing Down the Grindhouse, a podcast where we discuss horror in media. And today we'll be talking about Alien and Aliens. I'm Mitch. I'm Mer. And I'm Jonathan. All right. Well, so I wanted to start with production notes. Um, So, Mer, you told me you had some interesting stuff for it. Uh, For the production notes on Alien? Yes. Correct. Okay. So, Alien was directed by Ridley Scott, and it was released on May 25th of 1979. Uh, the original budget was $4 million, but it went up to 8 after they got Ridley Scott to come on, and it grossed over $104 million in the box office. Who and was, do you know who was on before him? Like, who was supposed to be directing it? Uh, they had, uh, they had a couple people lined up. I think I up. even looked into that, now that I think about um, it. Um, but after that, they, uh... They did make forty million VHS rentals as well, <laughs> so that's a, that's a that's thing. just purely rentals, and yeah. nothing else. Just just off of like you know going to Blockbuster. Fuck yeah! Before yeah, we it died. don't have that yeah. statistic anymore. Oh, that's sad. Now nah, I think about it, it was an end of an era. <laughs> yeah. Really, once I know where every Blockbuster used to be, like mm-hmm. in the local area, like in Oceanside, and I'm still angry at the places that came up on top of those areas. <laughs> it's like Verizon and some other like. <laughs> food restaurant and shit but anyway i digress from it um so they they were able to effectively market the movie with minimalist uh advertising yeah i fucking love the posters and all the marketing for this they like, just have the yeah. egg right yeah it's just the egg it's just the the green color that you would see from it no one really knew what it was about until it came out and most people were surprised and very shocked when the movie came out. Oh yeah. It, At the it, time it was like true well, horror for everybody. It was, it, it definitely was alien was also, we're t- it, so the cool thing about alien is that it was one of the first movies that uh, showed space travel in like a dirty, like rugged way. I mean, star Wars kind of did it, but it was only certain parts. Whereas in this one, it's all like that. They described it as a uh, space truckers. <laughs> that's a pretty good term actually for it and i feel like it was along the lines of watching blade runner or something like that yeah because everything about their world is dark it's gritty it's very low lit really claustrophobic on the the nostromo i think is the mm-hmm. ship yeah, that they're that's on. The, yep that's the first one and yeah that's the first one in the in the first movie and they're completely different moods in my opinion mostly i think because of the directors so it was really scott to start with and then james cameron in the second one yeah so they had the tagline in space, no one could hear you scream with Which the marketing. Is great. Yeah. And it, it really did work effectively. And also true. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sound waves do not carry. Uh, Dan O'Bannon was a writer for the film. Uh, he originally wrote uh, Dark Star with John Carpenter, a sci fi horror comedy that was a student film. It was John Carpenter's first film. Didn't he also do uh, Return of the Living Dead? Uh, I think so. I'm yeah, not sure. I'm pretty I'm sure he did that sure. one as well. But uh, he was that movie Dark Star was critically panned because the alien itself was a spray painted beach ball. Yeah, it was pretty bad. <laughs> um, but Dan O'Bannon doesn't yeah. really get talked about like at all, and this dude wrote it. <laughs> yeah, he he wrote like majority of it, if yeah. not all of it. Uh, I believe he had one other writer helping yeah. him, but not not quite as much. And like really, Scott just gets all the credit for it because of his direction Visual. his visuals what, yep. he, what he really came to oh, mind with God, his visuals were so good in this movie and they're oh, not yeah. even like, his it, you can you can actually <laughs> like like these two movies are one thing you can definitely see the difference that directing makes on films yep and whatnot there's a huge difference and this isn't to say oh one is better than the other they're just different 
they're, yeah, they're two merely completely different, different movies. Uh, yeah, that's true. They're, they're, they're often compared against each other, and that is not a good thing to do with these two films because they talk about completely different things, even though they're within the same cinematic universe, which includes Ellen Ripley across all of them. Uh, it must be noted that the aesthetic comes from the main influence of H.R. Giger. Yep. Uh, Big Specifically, influence. the xenomorphs are based off the painting Necronom 4. Yeah, it's like almost exactly what was on the painting. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> a lot of the set designs as well are all very, very Giger-esque mm-hmm. easily. I mean, if you've ever looked at his at his thing, it's all like, well, it's dark. He has so much art. Like, yeah. he was really prolific and made mm-hmm. a lot of different art pieces. Also, rest in peace, Geiger. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. Um, so there, O'Bannon was selling the script to people as, uh, it's going to be Jaws in space, everybody. Jaws in space. That's great. Uh, so they originally got four point two million, but uh, they wanted a sci-fi movie to boot because Star Wars was popping. Yeah, this was this was really close to Jaws, wasn't it? Yeah, just a few years after. Two years after. Yeah, so the, they were writing off that like we got to make something that's just exactly like Jaws but space. So that's when uh, the thing is they had a four point two million budget, but then Ridley Scott came in and he made an entire storyboard. So that's when the Hollywood was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is what you're doing? This is ambitious. Okay, uh, here's a lot of money. <laughs> they believed in him. They really were like, we're going to take a risk on this and give you some money to make this film. And I think, honestly, after seeing some storyboards like the, the way he did it is a good way to approach that, and he's good at them. Like, that's one of the other things he's really good at, as much as I don't really like his interviews that much. <laughs> well, with Ridley Scott? Yeah. He's, he's just, he's yeah. really pretentious. He feels yeah. like he's God because Yeah, he exactly. Yeah, he's got a God <laughs> complex, but I guess it works for a director. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> with the budget, though, they were able to get H.R. Gigar making all the aesthetically pleasing sets and yep. uh, designing the costume, which was pretty cool. Yeah, fuck. So that I feel like that immediately leads into what were your initial thoughts of both films, including like the set design and the tone, the overall tone that you got from each film, because they are different. Uh, Alien does a thing that horror movies haven't done in a while. Back then, was they have the a, a main character called Suspense, um, and it's just like up there and anteing up every second. As in, you don't really know what's going on. As in, like it's very. There's a lot of long takes, long. Oh yeah. Long drones of just incredibly beating hearts and noises, and it just it just makes you anxious. It's good. It gives you the impression of what it would be like to be in a spaceship where there's no noise besides the crew and any machinery that's on the spaceship itself, as well as what are you going to be feeling while you're out there? You're going to feel like you're just staring out the window because there's nothing else to do during that time unless you're part like unless you're on the deck doing something or repairing a piece in the ship you're probably just relaxing and waiting yeah it's it's it would definitely it, it brings up that point a lot as if like how claustrophobic would space travel be in like a modern setting right how dangerous would it be to be in that situation when shit goes wrong yep uh and let's also not forget that this star is sigourney weaver who is yeah, the course. main star of all of the series. She's, I believe, in every single one, except for, like, the, the except latest Except for Prometheus one. and Covenant, she's in yeah, all of them. Yeah, yeah. But then again, those movies diverged off the timeline. Yeah. They were in their own areas. They went to their own area. They wanted to show the origin of humans and the origin of the xenomorph, uh, which was explained much later in Prometheus. And not even really explained because Sorta. Prometheus is, or Prom- right, that's the movie Prometheus. Yeah. It's just all over the fucking place. Uh, yeah, people didn't really like Prometheus. And people also didn't like Alien Covenant. I liked Covenant. 
it was uh, it was it was entertaining to watch. I I have a uh, a fangirling for anything xenomorph related. Yeah, whatsoever. me too. I, I like I, I like that every time. It's good. I don't want this to ruin my opinion for anyone on the podcast, but I really fucking love Resurrection simply because Winona Ryder's my oh OTP. when when it has uh what Ron Perlman yeah Winona Ryder and Sigourney Weaver God Sigourney Weaver and then the dude oh God what is his name uh i'll i'll come up with it later but i enjoyed that movie too even though it's supposed to be way the fuck in the future because she keeps going into cryo sleep yeah and is, they cloned her on they that clone one. her and then in, she in gets cloned <laughs> yeah so yeah because she like finds out that she has an alien yeah. in the third one and then jumps into the vat and then, <laughs> uh then they clone her with tissue that they had and yep. i don't know there's some good scenes from that one but we're not talking about those <laughs> it also stars sir ian holm who was the synthetic yep and he has been in several other films, but he was a little older in, in the film that was he here. He Ash. Yeah. And he's important later, and I think we should discuss the synthetic at some point. But really the first part of it that I wanted to get into was, what do you feel like the xenomorphs represent? Are they just straight up the antagonist of the film, or do you feel like it represented more to the characters in the film? Similar to a lot of Lovecraftian horror, it's the fear of an unknown creature. It's, it's a really, like, easy fear to, like, latch onto, but it's this one truly is, like, unknown. Like, they don't know what type of creature this is. It's super odd. You've also got the idea of, like, body horror heavily in this one because, oh, it gestates inside you and yep. then bursts out of your chest. You're alive uh, the whole time until it fucking kills you. Yeah, exactly. And so that's that's kind of a thing. I don't think I've seen anything quite like that from other horror movies and whatnot other than, like, Alien. Alien kind of did the thing and then... There's a few other body horror ones, but not done in a serious not... sci-fi horror way. Like yeah, there's exactly. things like Slither and other stuff that fucks with things getting inside you. But in this case, they were able to observe the creature while it was attached to someone's face. Yeah. And we're trying to figure out how to get it off and realize that it literally was growing inside of them mm-hmm. and would produce some sort of creature. But it should also be noted that the xenomorph that shows up is just what happens when it gestates inside a human. Yeah. It's been established in like the extended universe that it can get into anything living and create a, a hybrid of whatever it is. Yeah. So like it can get into Predator like when it oh, crossed over. I see now. So yeah, that's... it just needs a living human or living host. It needs so that's a living why host. in the yeah. third one it's like a dog. Yeah, it can turn yes. into a whole bunch of stuff. Okay. So um, the humans s- just happen to be the one in the movie. I was going to say, uh, talking to a film student recently, uh, they actually had their final about Alien. Because oh, their their uh, professor was a big alien guy, so they Not were describing kind of that right. Uh, they were describing that the face huggers represent uh, rape. Oh yeah, that could easily be uh, something because that was read off. They of go it. to either gender, and they're always lurking, and you never know if it's going to happen. And when it does, it also as well as the set of uh, Giger's uh, aesthetic. There's a lot of like phallic and uh, fucking. Yonic kind of looking like areas and doors and all kinds of shit in this movie. Hence, hence the, uh, the, the Giger influence. Right. If you look at any of there's, there is a Giger painting that is literally just like dicks going into butts. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> and that's just a wall of that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all dark and like ashy looking. And you're just like, what is he trying to say here? It's funny when you describe it that way, but it's so much more serious. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. It's just like, oh, this represents. I don't know, even can't even imagine, but that's but it, it's simplified that way, of course. But 
Alien is, I, I agree with Mer that it has a lot of that like phallic imagery, and I didn't even consider that the facehuggers could be a representation of rape like in any sense of the word, but it makes a lot of sense. Well, I've read really interesting articles on the idea that the xenomorphs were definitely representative of that rape and or what happens when some women are raped and they have to take a child to all the way to birth and they're not able to have an abortion or anything like that. It's oh, very Jesus. forceful on their body. And in this case, uh, Ellen Ripley is the main character in the film, and she often represents sort of that protective force through the whole film, as well as being motherly in the second one when she takes care of Newt. Yeah. So it's just how how exactly is she dealing with motherhood in both of these is really interesting. Yeah, it's it's a different because she's not really like I mean, it's interesting that we have that because the Nostromo's AI is called Mother. Also that. So if you've got like that idea, sort of like. It also represents like an over-reliance on technology or the way that technology can be used against us. So, I mean, we're really getting off what do the xenomorphs represent at this point, but (laughs) there's so much more going on on this ship. Right. The xenomorph is almost not as big of a threat as literally everything else that's going (laughs) on on this ship. You've got like it breaking down and having technical problems. You have an AI that's actively trying to get the whole crew killed. I mean, that's not even talking about the fucking... uh capitalist company that's actually making their mission to be killed and uh take host from them yeah the the company in the second movie wants to get uh the xenomorph alive and take it back for study and possibly weaponizing it because of the acid in its blood so there's just a whole bunch of different things they're they'd rather they'd rather get their money their corporate greed is really what takes control in the second movie and then Ripley and her other members of the of the Marine team kind of take over, and they're like, no, we're going to just nuke this whole planet. Yeah. <laughs> there is the part in the, the first movie of Alien where they go to Mother, and she looks up the file report on the mission, and it's like, oh, take a living organism back home, uh, crew expendable. Yes, they get to find out that every single member on the crew is expendable. And I feel like this is really accurate of what a large corporation would do in a certain mission like this. You also have to really talk about how interesting the characters are on the Nostromo right. in Alien, uh, the first movie. Uh, because really, like, they're not trained to deal with something like this. They're not scientists. They're not, like, anything anything really like that. Except for Ash. Ash is the only one that really handles that. And the rest of them just kind of do what needs to be done. They go about it in a very, like, blue-collar sort of fashion. Well, I believe know. most of them were, like, mechanics and pilots and other things like that. They only really had one specialist or expert on board. And one of the mechanics was saying he was just, like, a couple weeks. Or no, 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 no. That was in the second movie where he's like, I'm two weeks from retirement, man. Yeah, yeah he's old. So <laughs> he's like, I'm so done from this shit. I do not want to be on this ship right now. Yeah, it... it I mean, it breaks it down as well, like, earlier on, because they get the message that they have to go investigate LV-426. They have to drop off and, you know, answer to this distress beacon because the ship has, you know, decided to. And they go do that. And then there's this whole, like, a great conversation where they all talk about how their pay is going to be reduced. And it's like their reasonings for doing things. Is money. <laughs> is, is money, yeah. It's it's what drives them to their doom, basically. The Whalen Corporation, correct? Yes, the yes. Whalen Corporation, which is great because the Whalen Corporation carries on through all the films. And you kind of get to see them as, like, an omnipresent corporation that's just bought up all sorts of terraforming and different ships and things like that they've invested in spreading humans across the universe just to make more money and so it ends up becoming something that i feel like was a social criticism by the directors uh which is also odd because 
a lot of film directors will do this to their own companies to like this is really the industry that they're making fun of is their own or or what they're criticizing in some cases but in this case it wasn't the only thing that they were talking about in the film it was just one of the things and the, i feel like the other piece of it was uh how they treated uh, sigourney weaver and ellen ripley as the main character with no love interests or anything she Not was she was the main character she was very capable she was able to handle herself she never really needed all that much help but was taking it anyway and so i feel like she was a really good character in, in all the films that she showed up in it is her first acting role in alien as well too yeah that's wow. crazy because yeah. she did so well yeah no she really like i you've seen a lot of horror movies but i feel like there's a lot of scenes especially the one where where she's trying to get jonesy and she can't get back to the drop ship because the uh, the creature is like in the middle yeah. of the hallway. So she runs all the way back to try to turn off the self destruct. But like, it's just that fear when she sees it and she like backs against the wall and stuff. Like, I actually believe she's afraid of something. Oh man, there was so many moments. I guess during filming where some of the actors were not told everything about what was going to happen in the scene and were surprised because of it. And we'll talk about one of them later. But. She was definitely one of the main driving forces behind the film itself. And I've read a lot of interesting things about how it analyzed her and feminism basically in the film. You know, what's cool about Ripley as well is that the movie doesn't lead her on as like the main, like the main character, like at all, not until like maybe like 75% of the way through it. When everyone loses their shit and she's the only one who's able to do something about it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, they all like they, you know, but they don't build her up as like the main character. Whereas in aliens, you know, Right. You know she's the main like one of the main characters. The other characters are just sort of side things to support the rest of her story. Right. But in Alien they do a really good job of just making it seem like she's just part of the crew here, which is true, but they made it seems that way. It feels that way. How did you feel about characters that were placed next to her like Vasquez, where she was an overly masculine female character? And in most cases they really didn't think twice about her. They didn't ask her any like questions that were degrading and in some cases the guy who was teasing her was most likely in love with her <laughs> it, is, it is canon they, they love each other yeah exactly they're like really pretty much obsessed with each other yeah. <laughs> and there, yeah oh, there's some great quotes with like the marines fucking with each other yeah. and stuff like that but yeah vasquez is awesome like easily one of the coolest of the marines that's on there for sure i have a love for hudson um hudson yeah and especially every kid in the 80s because uh game over man game yeah over, game <laughs> over. that quote i mean like the thing <laughs> the is that was now? one of the first uh quotes for a lot of kids back in the 80s like uh you know relating video games into like a, a hollywood film it wasn't done as much because like video games are video games you play your video games and that's it but then like you know you got a guy over here just saying game over man game over. we're gonna die <laughs> and the kid's just like oh shit he, he said a game reference. I guess gaming's in Hollywood now. I like that a lot because they were able to show most of the male characters having moments of this vulnerability where they're not confident in what they're doing, where they started off really macho and felt that they had the situation under control. And so I know we mentioned off mic, but Mitch, you mentioned that the whole film was probably an analogy for how people felt about war during that time. Oh, you mean, uh, well, aliens is what yeah. you're discussing. Yeah, aliens can be definitely be an allegory. I think that's the right word for it, or a metaphor for the Vietnam War. Right. And it might not only be how they felt about it, but just how the conflict went in general. Yeah. I mean, you've got this super simple idea, but it's basically what happened where you have a very like heavily armored force going into unknown territory. Fear of the unknown again. And then, <laughs> uh, and then the unknown 
and what they're not prepared for strikes them. Things that use the environment to their advantage, hence the Vietnamese during that time, because right. that's that's totally their tactics. Yeah, it's their. And it's also yeah. their own home. They yeah, exactly. The they know well. everything about it. Yeah. So it, it's like that sort of idea. And then that force, that heavily armored force, goes in and just gets completely wrecked by it. Right, because that's exactly what happens in the film. They think they know exactly what they're going to do. They even mention that this is going to be nothing more than just another bug hunt. Like yeah. quick in and out. Yeah, they're ready to go drop in and get out. But I mean, they're not completely new to the idea. They are like Marines that have gone on missions before. Yeah. They all know each other well. They were prepared, but not prepared for xenomorphs. No. <laughs> There's nope. no really no training for something like that. I mean, that. you could tell that they have been a company for a long time right. together and they all have their own little things. Hudson is, you know, a a uh, tech guy that could get into doors right vasquez <laughs> is the firepower as well as the uh, her love interest i forget his name and then the the leader the the you know the guy with the big cigar just like all right man let's go over here God, i love him Fucking yeah he's great he reminds me of the uh the sergeant or i guess i don't really know who would be the one in charge but when he played halo yeah that's yeah. what i was gonna say i mean he's based off that guy yeah, yeah the, like he, they must have made that character in halo off of is him he the voice actor for that guy <laughs> i mean he must be right sergeant johnson yeah sergeant there you go johnson. yeah that guy was fucking awesome and he reminded me of that where he had to go in knowing that the officer in charge had never gone on any mission like this. He only had done some simulations. He had never been on a real drop. That shit was funny as fuck. They're in the middle of a drop when they ask him, like, hey, how many drops have you done? And he was like, uh... Two. Two. Including this one. <laughs> Including this one. <laughs> no, no, they, they're like, how many drops? He's like, uh, like, 38 Yeah, how many real drops? <laughs> simulations? Yeah. Everyone's just like, oh, fuck. And so that's also a good... Uh, explanation of what might happen in certain hierarchies of people where the officer in this case was supposed to be very well prepared but he was not and in fact panics as soon as things go south and they are being attacked by the xenomorphs i mean any hierarchy i mean you can relate this to like the inefficiency of business i mean you can say like oh they put somebody who really doesn't know what they're doing in a high position of power and then it causes everything to crumble sort of idea you want to look at it that way. Something interesting, too, about how they were interacting. So you could tell that all of the Marines in the second one had a lot of uh, closeness. They were they were obviously a unit for a long time. Mm-hmm. What the director did was separate Sigourney Weaver from them for the entire filming so that she would feel awkward when she was around them. And that's why it translated onto screen, where she does not feel like she belongs. And so you, you could, could see it. Yeah, you could see it just in yeah. her body language because she didn't know these people that well. This is like one of the first scenes she's in. That was the first time she ever met them. She had met them minutes before filming and then had to go into the scene not knowing them well. And so that's what added to the idea that she was not a part of their unit. And in fact, they were all really close and going to be the ones to like support her later. Yeah, it, it sets it up great for those scenes because, I mean, in, in reality, she does not know those people. Yeah. She is just a person that survived a terrible right terrible and ordeal. they don't understand and they don't they don't care it's just like oh whatever you know they're very cocky like i just need to know one thing where to aim <laughs> <laughs> they have cheesy lines it, and i love the, it the line is i only need to know one thing where they are yeah that's what it was <laughs> yeah i will correct you because i love this they movies. even give each other like high fives and like special handshakes and shit after that yeah no they were great uh no the marines and aliens are great Right. They're pretty wonderful. It was also, I mean, for me, it was kind of also funny to watch them just fall apart once things started to go really bad. And they're like, we're not going to be able to get out of this shit. Like, what are we doing? (laughs) And just to see how that sort of plays out. But it also ties into how do these people really handle what's going on? Like, 
do you feel like they handled the situation appropriately? Was there a better way they could have gone about handling the xenomorphs? Listen to Ripley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was the best way to do it. They listen really to don't Ripley. listen to her at the beginning. They don't know. Nobody listens to her in both of the movies. I wanted to She's ask She's the you, ignored woman every time. I wanted to ask you how you guys That's good point. felt about uh, the synthetics. Because they, ra- they range in like how morally correct they are in both of these movies. So this was partly the humans playing God in some way where they've created the synthetic that they feel they have control over, but also dealing with the fact that most of the AI and the synthetic had its own mind and would do things, but it almost always would listen to them if they gave an order or they specifically told them to do something. But I guess somewhere along the lines, the original models they had created could glitch in some way and instead wanted to hurt humans. And so they sort of made them uh kind of the other in some in some ways how they made the xenomorphs but something that was closer to what we are it's the divide between ash and bishop because you've got ash who's definitely going to serve his masters and is not unwilling to hurt humans if it gets the job done i mean the thing is like bishop says that oh that was an old model like those always fucked up yeah they always seem to have a bit glitchy but i mean we as the audience who've seen these movies realize it's not a glitch in the system it was just it's programming like it was set to do the thing and it did the thing well it seems that in some ways the synthetic was programmed to fill like fulfill the greed of the corporation it was going to finish its mission and get the xenomorph out of there it didn't didn't care if the humans were going to get killed in the process so it was interesting. Also, there's other interesting articles about the synthetics in that they are separated from everybody else. Ripley has an immediate aversion to them because of what happened to her in the first film, mm. where the first one freaked out on her and tried to kill her. And so in some ways, this sort of talks about how people feel about each other, and especially when it deals with racism. And so specifically talking about how you feel about people who you consider other, so things that are not you. And so even though it's kind of subtle, it was something that was explored in a lot of articles. And Bishop comes through. I mean, he's a he's a great character. Uh, he eventually, you know, crawls ba- in that pipe <laughs> all the way through for four miles. It's fucking nuts. I, I mean, he's, he doesn't really have. Well, actually, I don't know. Does he have feelings? Synthetic I'm, feelings. Yeah. I mean, for, for in all honesty, like, no, I don't think so. Yeah. I think he, he, he has yeah. programming. Yeah. He's supposed to deal with things, and he's supposed to assist the crew, and then he's not allowed to hurt humans either. It's he's not, not like uh, the synthetic in Covenant, who what's his name, Michael Fassbender's character, yeah. who was like trying to create art and showing another synthetic how to play the flute, like weird, <laughs> weird fucking shit. Like, like his that. programming broke down because of isolation. Yes, and everything exactly. Like that. So interesting. Do you feel like the film was paced well? Do you feel like they were rushing into this, or was the anticipation building up? Until something goes bad. I feel like they did pacing really well in both movies for what the movies do. Like Alien is a lot of slow buildup and whatnot. And it gets, it, it really immerses you in like in the setting and whatnot and who the characters are. Cause you learn a lot about them with all of those, with all of the time they sit together eating with like how they talk about things. You like figure out that, you know, the captain is like the, like, like kind of somebody they are looked to for guidance and things. Like, even Ripley goes up to him later and is like, you need to do something about this. And he's just like, totally, he kind of blows her off, but I feel like part of it is a lot of it's the stress gets to him and he breaks. Yeah, he he has a lot of aversion to that shit. He just doesn't want to deal with it. Yes, I agree with that. 
Uh, do you feel like there was other things that were bothering the crew or that they were ailing from something else, which also contributed to the story and how they reacted? Well, well, first off, you've definitely got the fear of their like wages being held from them. So you have the fear of right. them being destitute, essentially, for them wasting their like, you know, 50 some odd years they've been away from home. Or what? It, what was it like? Like four years? They were a while. It was like four to six years. I think they were. Yeah, gone. that they were gone, and they they're basically they were going to lose all their wages if they didn't help it help the Wayland Corp do this. So I guess you've got that egging them. Plus, also just the claustrophobia being on the ship. Yep. And whatnot, and I feel like they all they all sort of feel it, <laughs> especially with how they're walking around and how they interact with it and whatnot. I mean, you have the. I always forget his name. He's the shorter actor with the hat. He like die. He's the first guy to die. Except for except for uh Oh, he's the older man. Chestburster man. The guy that just right. agrees with everything. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> who who dies while chasing Jonesy around. Yep. And he like but he gets really excited and like dips his face in water and stuff like that. Like he's like egging to get out of that ship. Uh I felt like this really got into how humans would do in space. How we're gonna do in seclusion among small groups of people and really what are your priorities gonna be when something goes wrong. And to me, it's always talked about how humans are in sci-fi. Everything I've ever seen shows that humans are really adaptable. They almost always are everywhere in the galaxy. It doesn't matter what the condition is of the area. People living in deserts and really cold areas, places where there's no light. And so do you feel like this added on to that? This is like showing a condensed version of what would happen in this kind of situation? Yeah. I, I feel like the crew... Like I said this earlier, I think, um, but I think the crew handles everything the way that a person in their employment would handle it. They're very practical <laughs> yeah. about dealing with it. We'll just like f- use fire to force it in this direction. Right. We'll just, you know, and then they like, you know, of course the captain's the one that goes down there to do Tries things. to snuff it out and in whatnot. the vents. I mean, what's, what's scary about this one is like, these are just at, like, these are clearly just ordinary people being thrust into a situation that they have to deal with. So right. that's sort of what may, I would say makes the situation more frightening even then is that it could literally just be you <laughs> or me. Right. Or it goes back to the tagline where it's like, nobody can hear you scream. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just. In most it's, cases, they, really well. they, yeah, they can't even tell when some of their crew members have gotten killed because they're all kind of separated and they're such a small crew that they do have to separate at many times. The ship's huge, it's too. It's a huge ship. It's, it's, a, really it's a towing ship, isn't it? That's, that was meant to go out there and grab something else. So really big ship also can be a good nuke if you really need something. That nuke was dumb, dude. I was just like, holy shit, this is fucking huge. Because it was like 2001 Space Odyssey level of fucking craziness. Yeah, that's true, actually. <laughs> I was like, okay, this mach- this ship's pretty big. Let's see how let's see that fucking CGI explosion. And I was like, yeah. yo, whoa, I'm on a fucking psychedelic road trip right now. That leads me right into how do you think it holds up after so many years? The CGI, the miniatures, the paintings. The uh, the matte paintings hold up really well alongside the miniatures made by the company. Right. Um, it's kind of like Blade Runner in that aspect where it still looks really good like 40 years later. Especially yeah. with the Blu-rays coming out and all the box sets. Yeah. So – if you yeah the blu-rays for aliens uh it is really good if you if you've seen it it really like gives the set pieces 
like a, a, a shout out basically it gives them a big shout out because you really see how much detail there is in all of these sets and everything how much work definitely got put into that i almost think i see all the workers sweat just in it <laughs> just the workers speaking sweat. of which alien is one of the sweatiest movies it really is it's one of the sweatiest i couldn't tell if it was because the ship was hot or they're just really fucking here, nervous here, the whole time here's my question though can you think of a sweatier movie uh then then alien yeah rocky Damn, that's a lot of sweat. <laughs> um, also, uh, what is it? Starship Troopers? That's a pretty sweaty movie also. That is a very sweaty movie. Yeah, I don't know why I know so many sweaty movies. Now yeah, I about it. maybe something about you. Just like seeing, just like sweaty, seeing sweaty men on yeah, camera. <laughs> yeah, sweaty men on camera. Anyway, so oh, I, 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 digress. I digress from the sweaty man. I digress. <laughs> Uh, did you guys have any favorite scenes in either one of the films? Oh, man. You know? Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> You're yeah. like, yes, yes, we I do. We have a lot. There's so many good ones. There's a lot of good fil- like a lot of good scenes. What do, you, what do you got? I really like, I mean, it's obvious, but uh, when they go into the ship and see the giant guy on the cannon, and then they go venture down, and you see the first opening of the egg. It's so mechanical and just like... You could see like it's translucent orange yeah, it's like from gooey. the outside, <laughs> and you look and it's just super flesh like. And then you get the the jump scare with the fucking thing forcing itself through an entire spacesuit to get into the face, like melts the fucking top part of it. It's so fucking nuts. That 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 is a good scene considering that you have a scale of just how big this pilot was compared to the humans. It's so funny too because they use Ridley Scott's children in those suits. Yep. So yeah, they, just to give really... a sense of uh, of of scale, and that was really good. Was there anything else, Mitch? The queen. Oh, oh, oh when, the, when, the, when the queen Dude, shows the, up, the whole the whole queen, uh, everything with that is good. Like that whole like when whole, Ripley the, the fights chase, it, when she fights it, when she actively like threatens like to burn more eggs if she doesn't call her guards off, and she like it doesn't do with any dialogue. It's just like like body language. That's great. Get away from her, it, you I bitch. Mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean that that's great as well. <laughs> I, I I mean the the whole movie's amazing, so I don't care. But you know, I mean like, I like the gr- the fucking grenade launcher shots into the stomach. Oh fuck yeah, hell yeah. dude! The 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 gun sounds. Hell yes, I love the gun it's like, sounds. It's like a high pitched yeah. kind of. I don't even know. Like <laughs> I can't a, even. I can't even emulate. It's it. a Just fast, sounds. high pitched, like repetitive sound that you get yeah. from the guns, and it's very specific to this movie. Yeah, because you do no, not hear this outside. Yeah, the movie. their smart rifles sound like that. Their pulse rifles have their own sound. It's it's fucking great. I like when uh, you were talking about adaptability, but the thing is that the soldiers are able to adapt well, well more adverse uh, than the labor workers of course Uh, when they have when they have the turret set up when they're like we have like 500 rounds on this one 500 rounds oh yeah they do choke points and get them to and you just that corridor you just hear fucking aliens dying and shots being shot and they're like wow there's only 10 rounds left in this fucking thing i mean another usage of sound especially since now we're just describing the sound we've gone on from favorite scenes to sound (laughs) well it's got it's got a good tone and soundscape yeah it it really does and i i feel like another one that has not been mentioned is this is the radar the radar that's used in both of them yeah exactly from modern warfare 2 i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) what a good way to increase your fucking just anxiety about waiting for something to jump out at these characters. And it works really well on more levels than I would have anticipated when I first watched yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, both movies use that, use sound a lot to their advantage. Like the aliens have their own great sounds that they make and whatnot. 
Um, oh God, yeah, the sound is. So I mean, good. there's there is that also that part where they're like they're right here, they're like four meters in front of us, and then he looks up, and you just see them silently on these pipes, just like thirty of them. Uh, it should be mentioned that they're all people in suits. And they're all like contortionists and very athletic people who were just doing all sorts of crazy movements. And they mostly filmed it like they filmed it and then they flipped it, made it upside down. And that was was some of it. It looks like they're crawling on the roof when they're really just on the ground doing their thing. I did. You have a favorite scene? Uh, uh, Well, I definitely like when she gets into like the robot like the robot basically and starts fighting her oh the loader yeah but i think one of my favorite scenes is when she is taking the elevator and is like prepping her gun is like really like amping herself up to fight the fucking queen yeah like duct tapes the shit to it yeah and it's just for me i feel like this is a moment for her character where she really figures out who she is and what the fuck she's gonna do and she is ready to fight and really take care of newt and like make sure that they're all cool and she ends up kind of coming into the character in that movie, I think. Whereas in the first one, you're kind of figuring out who she is and then what she's going to do about the situation because she's terrified the f- after the first movie and has like post-traumatic stress basically from it, but then just confronts it head on in the film. And I think that's what made her such a likable character in the end where she's badass. Like she ends up being one of the main characters. And I feel like anyone who watched it was like, she's a badass character. She was one of the people that they would quote and say, like, this is the person who's going to be a really good character no matter what she's in. I mean, she was uh, nominated for an Oscar. I mean, and countless many girls favorite idol. Just being like being that role <laughs> Just model. Just girls and boys. There's plenty fucking, of people who are obsessed with her. Like the thing is, there was not a lot on screen during the 70s and 80s, though. No. So she's like she was like, much like the standout, like this chick is like everything like. Uh, a, a, a fucking basically a, a heroist how do you say it like heroin hero- yes that for a lot of young girls yeah in some ways she kind of was a, a precursor to what the final girl would be created in some of the slasher films because she ends up being the main character who survives all the way to the end at no sacrifice to herself she doesn't have to act a certain way in order to get to that point whereas in some of the slasher films we've talked about before where it was kind of the virginal character that would get to the end if you were in any way sexually promiscuous or sexually active you would probably be the one who died and that was sort of a theme that the slasher films picked up and so in, in this way she ends up being a really solid character who doesn't have to be bogged down by a love story, who isn't really going to be invested in anybody except for the team who cares about her as well, and then being invested in being some form of a mother to Newt and or some of the other people in the film. Fun fact about Newt, uh, it is her only acting credit. She did the the thing, and that was it. Yeah, which is crazy. But she's friends with Sigourney Weaver still. That's cool. Shit, how old is she now? I don't know. Old. <laughs> She's got to be probably in her thirties, forties. They've staked 50? over like hundred and twenty elementary school kids until they finally found like the perfect one. Is what I mean. Saying. She's she feels like she was a good choice for that role. She did great. Yeah, and, and like role. for for you to come onto a set like that with so many people and it's dark and scary. She seems to have handled it pretty well. Same with doing fucking loads of interviews. Right. That's what, that's what we always forget about these children is that they have to sit through like 35 interviews on their off days and shit like that. <laughs> or like for like bonus feature, you know, things. Right. Um, now I think about it, the the whole movie, both films really well cast it. 
I think they spent a lot of time figuring out who they wanted for each character. And I think it was also because each character was fleshed out pretty well in both the concept and the storyboards as well as the script. So they had a lot to go off of and they were able to match people up really well. So there's also like a director's cut of Alien. Yeah. Where Ripley finds all of the crew members like like strung up on walls and whatnot and finds out what's been done with them. And it's, it was a director's cut thing. So that's one of my favorite scenes, but I have a lot that I want to talk all about because you guys already said some of them. Now yeah. I have to come up with more. Oh, well, what other ones do you have? Well, so you've got that, of course. That that director's cut is really great. Um, both chestburster scenes in both movies are fucking great. Yeah. Because the first one was a shocker for movie theaters in general. People like yeah. freaked the fuck out when that happened. And if you had it spoiled for you, it ruined everything. Yeah. Same with the actress, though. Because uh, they, yeah, they were expecting the alien to come out. But they weren't expecting blood. So when they pumped like a bunch of a giant vacuum of blood out, the chick falling over and screaming her ass off, that's actually her yeah. just screaming and Because she got falling. it splattered all over her face. She Hell was yeah. like, oh it like falls backwards because oh, of I mean, it. I mean, kudos to that actress as well for playing the most scaredy, scaredy Holy person shit. ever. <laughs> I also lo- love that alien, most of the jump scares come from the cat. Yep. Jonesy scares most of the people in that movie. You know what? That makes me think, too. I literally wrote it down. I was like, what is up with the cat? Is the cat, like, an omen? Is he evil? Like, is this cat, like, one of the secret aliens? But is also, also, cats can be seen as protection. And they can be, like, familiars to people. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting that the cat was included and not a dog or any other pet. Yeah, it was a cat specifically that they kept on board with them. The cat shows her teeth and so does Ripley. <laughs> that's hey. a, yeah, right yeah honestly though the cat does warn them at some points by like hissing at something mm-hmm. so yeah it's interesting it's used as sort of like a protector familiar sort of right. idea um which i like a lot i like jonesy a lot and it's also ripley goes back for the cat she does it she yeah, risks she really everything does, just huh? to get fucking jonesy god Holy damn it shit. cat while the ship's blowing up chaos everywhere friends are dying where's my cat the, you know <laughs> the self-destruction like sequence like her having to like take down the thing, open it up, take these giant vials, screw them in, make sure they're turned on. The anxiety of that scene is is, is unbelievable. The one where she's trying to she tries to start it and then she has to reset it again and then it fails. You bitch! <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, she calls things um, a bitch like multiple times. It's pretty great. Um, but other than that, so you got the chestburster scenes which are just great. Then there's the one in Aliens where they find the host that's been strung up and they think they're still alive. Oh, we'll help you. Kill me. Yeah, he is like, he knows what's up. Yeah, exactly. He does not want the thing to, ch- to bust through his chest before, yeah. you know, they have a chance to kill him in that moment. Um, another one is one of, uh, is a really good shot that Ridley Scott does where it's Dallas when they send him in there to try to corner the creature. And it's the shot where they're closing up the hole on him. And it's just him like in this circular pit Everything is really close together. He's got the little torch, and then it just sort of like that whole like shifting. Oh yeah, metal, it turns, and when that just turns and closes on him, it's a really good shot. To be honest, like that was probably one of my favorite shots from Alien, cinematography wise. Even though just like there's a lot of good panning shots that just show the whole ship and everything, and it's 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 really good. I do not think that Alien has aged as well. No. However, but I feel like it's still a classic and it's still a fun watch. Well, Alien to me has always been one of those films where you have to be really patient with it. 
and yeah. you have to be able to sit through and get through the anticipation. It's similar to me in the way that people liked The Witch, yeah. where The Witch is such a slow building horror all the way up until the end that it doesn't pay off for you or for most people until the end. But there's just so much anticipation to start with that it worked really well from the time period for what was available. Whereas people now are going to watch and be like, this is kind of boring compared to what's out now where there's a lot of shocking horror, where it's really gory, really bloody, and there's just a lot of stuff going on, where this one is more claustrophobic. It reminds me of, um, what was it? The Descent. Yeah. Where in certain areas, they're, they're crawling through tunnels. They're going through dark areas of the ship. Not everything is well lit. And also, a really good movie for how dark it is. So they were able to do lighting really well for the film. Yeah, no. Both, both of them are like that. I mean, the other betrayer in Aliens is Burke? Burke is the other one that's like traitorous oh, yes. towards them. He basically yeah. is the human AI almost. I right. love how she explains his plan to his face and everyone's like, yeah, let's kill this motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, he was going to go on our ship and he was going to turn off our cryogenic things and kill us. Right. And then no one would believe him or no, everyone would believe whatever he fucking made up. And they're like, yeah, we're going to kill this fucker. Yeah. Uh, another, another favorite scene of mine, because I have, because I, I, I love alien and Aliens, and Alien 3, and Resurrection, <laughs> and Prometheus, and, and Covenant. Alien Covenant. <laughs> I love all of it. I don't give a fuck. Uh, the Alien vs. Predator movies, the first one was good. I don't like the other ones. Yeah, really. the second one was fucking awful. Yeah, I don't know bad. how they fucked up, because that first was one bad. was really good. And I've always been Team Alien. I never thought Predator was as cool. Yeah. Uh... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they had different like purposes. Yeah. Like, they, they weren't after the same goal. No. But I just like aliens. More. That's fair. <laughs> I'm allowed. I'm allowed to have this. Yes, you gotta. I'm gonna. I'm gonna argue with you. Why? Because you like. Because I feel because of how cool they are. Like their agility. Well, well, or like... first of all, the alien <laughs> design is just fucking dope. Yeah, it is. It's it, unique. It's it's really unique. It's really dope. They like have all these crazy. They have acid for blood. I mean, Which come on now. Yeah. And then you've also got it it like dangerous to hunt them. You've also got how they are just instinctual creatures. They function purely on instinct. They they have like their entire motive is pretty well set, and they just will fight to survive no matter what. Like in Resurrection, they're willing to like bleed one of their own just to like get out, and it makes them like a really frightening enemy. That's true. They really do like kill one of their own to get the acid out, yeah, and then melt through the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's some fucked up shit. Yeah, as well as they're still like connected to each other in a way. So you see this in like Aliens, with with where she tries where the queen wants to protect her eggs. So she calls her guards off to leave Ripley alone. Yeah. As she's like making her little escape. And she torches it all anyway, of course. And yeah. And blows <laughs> it all the fuck up when she's like just out there. But um, uh, one of my other favorite scenes is just uh, is just when he when when they're about when they're getting on the car and they're trying to escape and everything. Yeah. And then the one alien like has its like claws come in and stop the door from opening and its face is just in there. And then Hudson's just like, eat this! Shotgun like, to the shotguns face. it through the face, it's like right in the mouth, and just blows it the back of its head off, and it's pretty great it's looking. It's also how he gets acid on a piece of his armor, and he's like, fuck! Yeah. <laughs> it's like rip but it it's off. But it's great. It's so good, though. That is good. Yeah. I mean, through other media that isn't uh, movies, like we're talking comic books, books, and uh, other media and such, there are 85 different types of xenomorphs. And they are all different sizes. Yeah, yep. because of the host that they take over. They're able to create some really crazy hybrids. There's, I also have read a few of these comics as well. There is Batman versus Aliens. Oh. Gosh. Where Batman and, and a group like encounter them, and he starts like studying the creatures and whatnot and stuff like that. It's pretty awesome. He fights Aliens. It's pretty great. 
it was it was cool. You I know? feel like I didn't get uh well, I do like the aliens and I like the idea of the xenomorphs, but I think I liked the predators more after watching the newest predators movie, not the well, I guess the second newest one. And then also watching Alien vs. Predator, where they really gain some respect for the main female character in that film, too, because she's able to take out a few of the xenomorphs, so much so that she gets one of the spears at the end and gets marked, basically. So that, to me, was like, this is cool. They're operating off of like this really hierarchy of respect on how they can hunt. And in this case, they were hunting the xenomorphs, but it's their culture in itself is pretty... Uh, like dangerous because they yeah. end up just headhunting whatever they can, and that's like their status. They're like they're they're a warrior group. Yeah. They're like they're like comparable to like Klingons or something like that. Well, almost. I feel like they got more depth in the newest movies as compared to when they were just going up against Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, just and one he, movie. Yeah, but that was it. Yeah, yeah. Fun fact: James Cameron did Aliens right after Terminator, but he wrote <laughs> he wrote Aliens. Yeah, he wrote and directed when, it uh, when fucking arnold schwarzenegger was doing conan so he's like oh, okay we're not filming for nine months because arnold's doing fucking barbarian shit time to write aliens <laughs> time yep. to write aliens fuck <laughs> just pumps out that fucking movie aliens i think still sits at the top of one of my favorite films like ever it's just, great just because i enjoy it all the way through every single minute of it is so great there's no wasted shots in my opinion like everything that they show you is important to the storyline and it often would show you what's going to happen next or what's important either to the characters or to the storyline. And I, so they're able to push it forward really, really well. I mean, the effects, the aesthetic of the settings, everything is uh, it's perfect for what it's going for. Uh, just a super crazy sci-fi horror in space of something that you can't understand and something you want to learn more of. Right. It, it has you egging on for more, but they're not going to show you more. Uh, it's super creepy, too. uh i watched the first one when i was really young um i think i was probably like 11 or 12 because my my parents and my mom showed me all sorts of movies and that was one of them i saw aliens first and it was my mom who had it on vhs and she was like we're gonna watch fucking yeah i was like all right what is this and i was freaked out by those creatures they scared the shit out of me when i was younger but i was but i Loved the movie though. I thought it was awesome. And I would so much I was talking with adults at my elementary school about it. I'm yeah. like a third grader going like Aliens is so cool. And he's like, Have you seen the fourth one that they cloned Ripley? And I was just like, <laughs> What? There's a fourth movie? <laughs> so what? When did the fourth one come out? Like the nineties? Yeah. Yep. E- easy. Yeah, like the night when we were like teens probably. Yeah. Well, uh, some of us. <laughs> fun fact about Alien uh was it Resurrection? Yeah. This is not about the movie or anything. I played a drinking game. Shout out to Connor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> while we watched Alien Resurrection, and uh, it was bad. We we each did over 75 shots. But we were taking sips. We were doing sips of vodka. Oh, okay. I was like, how time, did you not die by of alcohol time, poisoning? By the time the movie was over, the bottle was completely gone. And it we were just fucked up. We we're like, wait, wait, wait. we gotta take one every time someone dies. God damn it! There's like <laughs> seven deaths right here. Hold on, right at the beginning. Pause the movie, <laughs> and then it's it's like always. You should look it up. There's like always when you see a space uh, a space um, shot from outside. Every time Ripley does a fucking alien power when it gets sucked out of space. This is like when people do drinking games with Lord of the Rings and they're just like, yeah, drink every time you see Rolling Hills. Drink every time fucking Sam and Frodo have a special moment. <laughs> fucking drink every time they you see Legolas looking off into the fucking distance. Or the distance. worst one, drink every time an orc dies. <laughs> <laughs>
You just want your friends to die. Oh, then do that. <laughs> that's it. Also reminds me of the people. Well, so there's a game you can play with any TV series. Is especially around Christmas time because it's where it originated. You get a Santa hat. You put it on the corner of your TV, and every time somebody wears the hat, you take a shot. And this happens way more often than you think. I like this. Because of the shots that they do with people talking, they'll switch back and forth and someone's wearing the hat at some point. Oh, no. Yeah, so it'll get so many people and it's a hilarious game to play. Put, uh, put two hats on the corner. No, <laughs> you just don't do that. <laughs> You're just amping up fucking taking drink. We're not condoning you drink heavily. <laughs> so I, I guess really what this comes down to is what would you rate it? on your own scale five out of, or sorry 10 out of 10 for me i, I don't like the five out yeah of i know five, you told sorry. me last time <laughs> should i follow with myrrh and do a 10 out of 10 or should i do a five out of five and keep to the prompt <laughs> <laughs> i like to diverge on my own path i'm sorry I, all right well i don't know should i follow the path least traveled I mean, okay, I, I said five out of five or ten out of ten. You could do that. Yeah, you know, yeah. If you it, uh, both of these movies get ten out of ten from me, or a five out of five. There you go. Make everyone happy. I I can't like nope. I don't I don't. There's nothing I just like about these movies. I'm trying to think about it. If there was anything that I did not like about either one of the films, uh, no, I would probably give it. Yeah, I would give it a max rating on it. Which I mean, is they're like, that's worthy right. of their awards. Yeah, they really did set the tone and the sort of uh, they they really are reference material for so many things that came after it. And the Xenomorphs is extended into its own a uh, universe, which has a huge cult following for people who are just obsessed with everything Xenomorph. And they're like, as soon as something comes out, like a product, it almost always gets sold out even this many years later where there's not really that much stuff going on in the alien universe, uh, except for maybe some games, which are kind of okay. There isn't like too many ones that are that Dude, good. There's an alien RPG game. Yeah. Wait, I think I played this. I don't, I mean, I've, I mean, it's not like, not like a video game. It's a tabletop RPG. Oh, okay. It exists. There's a big rule book. I saw it. Was uh revelation, the game that came out like a couple of years know. back. I thought you played, did you play one of them? I, I played a game. I, I played a side-scrolling shooter where you play as Ripley and you just oh, murder. Oh yes, that's aliens. a great. No, that one. sounds legit. Yeah, it's super fun. fun. Yeah, it's a side-scrolling it's, shooter. It's like a running gun kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Hell yeah, yeah. You just run through and just uh, I was, kill all of them. I was yeah. able to play one of the uh, 360 games that came back came out a while back, and it it does the suspense thing really well. It follows the scenes right after the couple hours later after the second movie, so oh, before okay. the the fucking explosion goes off right in a separate area on the planet oh okay gotcha gotcha i played the game where you got to be in control of the marines and also got to be in control of the aliens and your mission was to like kill all of the humans or kill all the aliens but the the aliens one was really unique because you could evolve aliens into certain ones that would help you in the mission and you almost always had to drag the bodies back to where the eggs were so that the face huggers could jump onto them and then they would just stay inside them you had to wait the whole time and that was like its own role-playing kind of game that was that was a lot of fun to play so here's a game i'm gonna take us back to the 90s yes and we're gonna talk about the sega saturn <laughs> which fuck. was my first gaming system what the fuck really? yeah that was my first gaming system i ever owned Damn. was a sega saturn my dad bought it for me okay because my uncle had it, and we played it a lot. And so one of the games on that was Alien Trilogy. Yep. Which was basically a Doom clone. 
Yes. <laughs> but it they did like once again the music is great on it. Uh, the soundscape for everything, like the guns sound just like they do from the movie and things like that. And it was actually creepy. Like it was actually scary. Like all the rooms are really dark and you can't quite see all the way down. And so sometimes you'll walk up and something just comes out of the shadows at you. And it was, it was a really good game though. And it had stuff like, you know, shooting barrels to make them explode and cool stuff like that. Like an arcade style game. But it scared the shit out of me. It was a scary ass game. There's no like badass moments in that game. Like, I mean, I mean, that's not true. There are, but it's just kind of like, but it doesn't, no, it doesn't, no, it's, 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 it's a good one though. Alien Trilogy on Sega Saturn. It was great. Dang. I feel like I need to go find these now. I know I have the Alien game I'm talking about somewhere, which is crazy because I bought it used. So it's literally just in a black box. There's no, there's no cover on it or anything. It's a black (laughs) box. You open it and it's just this game. And I remember playing it obsessively for so many fucking weeks while I was playing it just until I beat everything. And it was, like, obsessive at some point because I was like, all right, what's the best way to kill all of these humans yeah. <laughs> and get all their bodies back so I can get some cool aliens because you could come up with some crazy hybrids. There was, like, an alien where it would carry the little face huggers on oh, its back. Oh, that's super cool. And then all you had to do was get near humans and they would jump and latch onto them. Dude, and, that's fucking tight. Yeah, yeah. it was ridiculous. So, like, they really got in-depth in it. And it was, like, kind of like a top-down view, kind of like what you see when you play StarCraft. Oh, so it was kind of RTS kind yeah, of game. Yeah, I I played that one. Yeah. That was fun. That, that was a good one. That you was actually, a lot of fun. Yeah, you actually had to like harvest humans and whatnot to yep. get it to get it to go. It's pretty cool. Uh, there was also a way to get cheat codes on that game, so I did a lot of cheats at some Woo! point. So I was like, all right, I want to play through this regular, and then I want to go back and just amp up everything and start getting some cool shit. Because yeah. it, it takes a minute. Like you would be on one mission for like two hours. Wow. Because you were like trying to get everything, all of the mission accomplishments and stuff. But it's a lot of fun. You should go check it out. And I, I feel like that's pretty much, that's pretty much all of it. Yeah. Do you guys have any final thoughts about the film? Uh, as a slow burning sci-fi horror, Aliens stands the test of time as a movie that should be studied and watched and enjoyed by all. As a action movie that is fucking awesome and you should watch with your friends aliens does the exact opposite it just hits it in your face but it does it so well and it expands upon the universe so i have two thumbs up on both of these like mer said alien good slow burning horror um really weird though and it doesn't necessarily hold up very well nowadays but it's still worth it to watch to like just kind of have a look back at the past at what people were actually were, were afraid of and what it was a milestone for horror in general. So it, it deserves the respect that it gets and whatnot. Uh, and then Aliens is just really fun. It's a fun movie. It's but also just really it's really good too because like like John said, it has like everything that's shown to you matters. There is no like wasted camera shots or anything like that. It is the story is very well told, and in like a nice little two hour package. Yeah, it's not excessively long, although it is longer for most films around that time period. So yeah. people were kind of impatient with it, but also felt that uh, the second one, Aliens, was just kind of it had enough time for everything, and they didn't feel like it took up too much time. Like how some films are way too long. Like in recent days, like the Irishman, but <laughs> like the Irishman. <laughs> I'm going to mention it every fucking every episode, fucking no. time. We're just going to talk <laughs> shit. <laughs> I tried watching it in like three different settings and I just, I couldn't, I couldn't finish it. 
and it's hilarious to me that I'm like, damn, I couldn't even commit to finishing this movie. It did not win that many awards at the Oscars. No, though. it didn't. And I was very glad to see that Parasite won. That was super a cool. A bunch of awards. Yeah, a whole bunch. And he was legitimately happy about winning these awards and was like, holy shit, like this film actually won some shit. So that was cool. And yes, of course, I would definitely recommend either one of them. It's also a fun film to show somebody who's never seen it. Yeah. And you get to watch their reactions to it. Like, it's just way too much fun to watch something like that because they don't know what's coming. They don't know anything about the Xenomorphs or about, like, the crazy body horror you're about to experience in either of these films. And then how much significance it's shown to horror in sci-fi, really. Because as far as I know, there hasn't been too many things afterwards that were straight horror sci-fi. They've mostly been, like, here on Earth. Or... You've got Jason in space. That Come was on now. great. <laughs> I love all of the terrible Jason sequels. And that one was hilarious because there's a scene where he's like, guys, it's okay. He just wanted his machete. <laughs> and Jason shows up behind him and cuts him clean in half. It's great. And it's a hilarious moment because they're in space. So his body like floats away, <laughs> but it's still like, it's one of the funnier ones. Cause he has like a whole different face mask and everything. So it was like watching a, what was it? Dracula 3000 where there's Dracula in space. <laughs> They're I they're I hilarious. I can't really think of any other like sci-fi horrors right uh, off the top of my head. I, uh, I mean, remember. there was like Pandorum. That was one okay. that was specifically on a ship in space. Um, Doom, oh, Event Horizon. Event Horizon was another one. Doom was another one. Oh, of course. Okay, yeah. Doom. Uh, even though people didn't really like Doom. I mean, if you're talking about Doom 2016, that game's fucking sick. <laughs> uh, you're talking about the one with um, The Rock? No, Doom. No, no, no. We're talking games. Oh no, video games. No, yeah, I'm talking yeah. about the movies. Oh, yeah. Nope. The only Don't thing. Like it. The only thing you need from that movie is the first person scene, and you should just watch that on YouTube. Right. Just yeah, exactly. Just go Google the first person scene from Doom, and it's fucking amazing. Missing both BFG shots. Fuck out of here. He really did. <laughs> <laughs> now that I think about it, I'm like, oh, that's fucking lame. But it had the rock in it. That's and, cool. Yeah. You know. Yeah, he does end up being the bad guy, but whatever. <laughs> I'm heavily awaiting Doom Eternal to come out. Same. And it's going to, I mean, it's hell on earth now. It's, it's so no longer, fucking great. It's no longer, you know, fucking aliens for, or demons on Mars trying to come to Earth. It's demons on Earth. Yeah, they've <laughs> opened up. They're ready to, like, fight this fucking Doom Slayer who's been giving them fucking havoc all the way through the games. And he's ready to fucking kill everybody. Yep. <laughs> I love the intro and the music. Where they talk about who he is and all of this, yeah, it's like you you guys have to use it for your for your own band. That'd be fucking yeah. Amazing. That's that's, uh, that's that, the thing. This, this has been talked about. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh right. no, don't worry. That's that's in the works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Then before I let everybody go, I want to remind everybody that we're really easy to find on all of the streaming sites. We're on the main ones, so we're on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, as well as iHeartRadio, Google Play Music, or Google Podcasts. And we are also on Stitcher and CastBox. So you can find us there, or you can go to any of our social medias, which is BDTGH underscore podcast. And we have a link to our website where you can actually listen to the episodes on that website or follow the links to one of the streaming sites. If you could, please leave us a review on the Apple Podcasts. It allows us to get a better rating, and we're seen much more easily on it, especially when it recommends other podcasts that you're listening to. And so it helps us out a lot. And if you can, leave a review there and or send us comments, questions, anything on our post, because I try to post almost daily at this point, which brings you content from horror and other things like that. But thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening to Bringing Down the Grindhouse. 
we really appreciate you guys that do that. We really do. We put a lot of sweat, blood, and effort into this. Hell yeah. And it, those that do listen, we appreciate it heavily. Absolutely. And I hope everybody has a good night. I'm Mitch. I'm Murph. And I'm Jonathan. Thank you.